With the Better Government Association, David Grising, uh, President and CEO of the BGA. Good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Well, we're going to dive right into this. There is so much ground to cover here, uh, David. Let's uh, let's start just by talking about uh, one little piece of the financial toll that the coronavirus pandemic is taking on the state of Illinois. We're going to be learning a lot more about the brutal hit to state revenues and uh, and, and state spending down the road. Here's just one tiny example uh, of what this has done. How the state has, in the last four weeks or so, had to spend nearly one hundred. $70 million, and and believe it or not, that actually is a significant amount of money even in the state of Illinois, $170 million just to buy masks and gloves and, uh, and uh, other uh, essential personal protective equipment for doctors and hospitals uh, all around the state of Illinois, uh, including uh, tens of thousands of dollars on charter flights to bring some of this stuff in directly to China. A completely unbudgeted, unplanned for expense, David, and just one example of how this is dramatically reshaping Illinois' finances. Well, many tens of thousands, Jim. According to the report in the Chicago Sun-Times earlier this week, it was $1.7 million on two flights of equipment from China, a lot of face masks and gloves, and who knows what other uh, stuff would be in the cargo of those uh, FedEx planes. Uh, It just tells you a lot about what the governor is dealing with. He has already uh, given us a heads up that uh, this is really going to hurt his uh, budget for this year and probably for next year because the fiscal year, as you know, starts on July 1st. Um, he already has, has um, uh, you know, had warned that his $114 million budget surplus is going to go away. The state is getting some money from the federal government, about $2.7 billion directly and $2.2 billion more spent on local governments. But that's just to really compensate for direct costs arising from COVID. And on top of all of that, the state has big problems because the economy essentially is shut down. So the revenue that the state typically takes in is going to be delayed. Uh, Tax revenue obviously moved from April to July. Uh, The governor's got some big problems on his hand in addition to managing the COVID crisis. We're not going to delve into it today, but in the weeks to come, I'm sure we'll be spending some time here talking about uh, the uh, progressive income tax proposal on the November ballot. Governor J.B. Pritzker has staked a lot of the rest of his term and the state's finances on that. There's mounting pressure to take that off the ballot, given the dramatically changed economic climate in Illinois. Uh, again, we'll we'll talk much more about that in the, uh, the, the weeks to come. Right now, David, though, what's uh, what's kind of even more remarkable about all of this is we've had the the state's uh, finances completely upended and everything that's being done in response to it is being done pretty much by one man, Governor J.B. Pritzker, operating under the uh, emergency powers granted to him in the law with the legislature kind of left to the sidelines. And some lawmakers are finally uh, now chomping at the bit to get back into the the game here. Uh, But of course, with the legislature unable to meet at the moment, that's a that's a difficult thing to do. Yeah, it is very difficult, and and it would behoove the legislature, it appears, to settle all the 
kind of uh, thinking that they're doing about when are they going to meet and what are they going to talk about, what's going to be on the legislative agenda. Um, it's generally acknowledged that it will be a very stripped down agenda, just focusing on some essential items. It may, in fact, uh, out of the May 31st deadline, only be focused on uh, COVID-related business, some people are saying. there. Are, some people are talking about a special session during the summer to take care of some of the bigger items like uh, ethics reform, for example. Remember that? There used to be a federal government investigation that was touching on all kinds of people in the legislature and across the state and got public government. There, there were we had a very full legislative agenda. Uh, redistricting reform, of course, was on was on the pallet, the uh, on the plate as well. Um, those things have just gotten pushed to the wayside. Anybody who has tried to talk to them has more or less been told to pay attention to what everybody else is absorbed by, which is COVID. And so uh, life does go on, though. The bills pile up. The unfinished business of state government piles up. And uh, the legislators who are raising questions about when are we going to get back to business, I think have a valid uh, a valid question at hand, but it's really up to them to decide and really House Speaker Mike Madigan and uh, and Don Harmon, the Senate president, to decide when the legislature reconvenes and how and what business they get done. You know, David, it raises another question here, which, of course, is that Illinois law does not really provide for lawmakers to do their business remotely. They're required to be in Springfield to press the buttons at their desks to vote for legislation. That's how legislation gets approved. Do we need to modify that? And are there dangers in addressing this particular very unique situation, creating a remote voting setup that could be used in non-emergency situations in the future? Uh, should we uh, you know, really reshape this whole system or should we just muddle through the, the current crisis and, and not undo the need for lawmakers to be present and accounted for in Springfield when they're voting on this major legislation? Well, this is no time, I think, to make permanent decisions about whether a more flexible approach to holding legislative sessions is in order in the longer term. I think this is the time to address the question of what sort of accommodation can you make in the very near term. Uh, you, you know, the, the, <laughs> the options really kind of run the gamut. It wouldn't be out of the kind of out of reach to suggest well, just like sports teams are talking about doing, could the legislature all come down and uh, quarantine in place for a couple of weeks till they get any COVID risk out of their system and then meet in the chamber? I mean, that that's one extreme example. I don't think it would be a good idea, but if sports teams can consider that kind of thing, there's no reason a state legislature couldn't. Um, it does seem that some accommodation probably is needed, but the question that is raised by your question is, how do you do that when the law is quite clear on what the demands of meetings are? We have to defend a few things. We have to defend the public's access to whatever it is that the legislature does. And we have to defend the right of the public to know through the Open Records Acts and, and other measures exactly how the legislature is making its decisions and why. And there's been a movement afoot to curtail, for example, the Freedom of Information Act. The Illinois Municipal League is the main mover behind this, complaining that they don't have time to answer FOIA requests uh, during the height of the COVID crisis. And they're wrong about that. Attorney General Kwame Rule says, no, that's not correct. You still do have to answer requests as long as they're not unduly burdensome. You still do need to respond. Um, that's the sort of thing that's going to be debated. The answers are not clear or easy, but we do need answers because the legislature 
uh, that that clock is spinning very fast, and we're going to get to the the end of the legislative end of session uh, very very quickly. One thing about it, if we did make lawmakers come back and then self-quarantine in Springfield for 14 days, uh, we might uh, give a little boost to some of our downtown businesses that have been hurting badly by the loss of legislative and lobbyist meals and particularly alcohol sales in downtown Springfield. So <laughs> it might give a little lift to our own local economy as well. Uh, David, one of the uh, the big challenges we're facing right now in Illinois is how to help workers who have been displaced by this crisis. The Department of Employment Security absolutely swamped in about three weeks. They've had the same number of claims they took in all of calendar year 2019. We still haven't figured out how to help gig economy workers, Uber drivers and the like, who uh, would be uh, able to qualify for some employment uh, unemployment benefits. Uh, but there's no system in place uh, to to get them enrolled because they hadn't been eligible until now. It's just a, a huge mess, and there's not a lot of sign it's getting better anytime soon. No, there's not. I mean, this is one of those uh, direct results of COVID that we were talking about earlier, Jim. In order to fix this problem, the state is going to need to make a fairly substantial investment in its uh, back uh, office in in the systems that enable people to file claims in a timely manner. There couldn't be anything more important right now with the state of the economy, with people being thrown out of their jobs uh, by by the thousands and thousands. Um, you know, the the rate of filings is up more than five times what it was during the 2008-2009 Great Recession period. That shows you just how fast this has happened and how deep the problem is. Because the Great Recession, for anybody, you and me and anybody else listening probably, that is the worst economic situation any of us has dealt with. These, this is orders of magnitude more serious right now, the speed with which is happening is especially. It's not that surprising that the systems were not equipped to deal with this. But the, in addition to everything else on Governor Pritzker's plate, uh, he needs to make certain that um, those systems do get fixed. He, he clearly, and, and has said at his press conferences, his attention is on this. Uh, the issues that you're talking about uh, addressing um, what happens with Uber drivers and others is something that uh, the state has some say in, but it's also a federal issue as to how those are dealt with. But at the very least, the state needs to make certain it can process claims, and that has fallen well behind what it ought to be right now. Uh, another area related to workers being impacted by this has to do with workers' comp. There was an emergency rule that was passed in the last few days that now presumes that essential workers, that's uh, first responders, medical professionals, even grocery store employees, if they come down with COVID-19, it's presumed that they got it on the job, which means their employers then could be on the hook for workers' comp claims. And, David, while it's certainly likely that if, for example, you're a, a nurse in a hospital and you come down with it, that you were exposed to it and contracted it on the job, uh, that's not necessarily the case in, in every one of those instances. So a lot of business groups are really up in arms about this change. Well, no doubt. Uh, this is the sort of thing that it, you know, will likely end up in the courts because uh, uh, there is so much riding on it, for starters, and uh, as you pointed out, the, the chances are quite high for, for a healthcare worker that they may have contracted something on the job. Uh, we hope that doesn't happen. Uh, if there were more protective gear in hand and not needing to be flown in from China, their chances would be even better. But but for your average pizza delivery person or somebody who's uh, working retail or something, um, we just don't know. Um, 
and it, it would be too bad if this has to come down to a case by case basis that a worker with who falls ill with coronavirus would would have to go to court to prove that they were uh, uh, sheltered at home and didn't interact with anybody in order to obtain obtain their compensation. But on the other hand, you can certainly see where businesses are coming from, that they can't possibly be exposed to all this risk. And uh, this is going to be battled about uh, not not just during this COVID crisis, but probably long afterward. David, we have so much more we can get into this morning, but unfortunately, we are out of time. We'll do this again next Wednesday morning. In the meantime, tell people how to reach you and the Better Government Association. I'm at dgreising at bettergov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And uh, our website is bettergov.org. Nice talking to you, Jim. Uh, It was great working with Ray, and I look forward to working with Chris. We appreciate it, David. We'll talk to you again next Wednesday morning here on the WMAY Morning News Feed.